Good morning. When I woke up this morning, I didn't know if anybody would be here today or not. Turns out we're one of the few of us that actually didn't have power, and so we're a little jealous of you all, my son especially. No TV or Xbox this morning. It was terrible, apparently. But anyway, uh, be taking, if you would, be taking your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1 this morning as we continue talking about our unexpected Savior. And we're going to talk this morning about the transformation that he brings that uh, is, well, frankly, it's unexpected. Uh, <laughs> I saw something unexpected this morning when I got here. I opened up my computer, and you know how the daily news thing is on your, on your front page. Well, there was a deal that said Billy Ray Cyrus is changing his name. I don't know if you guys know who Billy Ray Cyrus is or was. You know, he was the guy who had that one song back a long time ago about his heart breaking, you know, achy breaky heart. He had a daughter that we probably know a little more about, Miley Cyrus, probably more than we want to know about. But uh, anyway, if, you, if you're fans, that's fine. But anyway, but I saw that Billy Ray is going to change his name. In August, he's going to be known as the artist formerly known as Billy Ray Cyrus, and he's just going to be called Cyrus. My first thought was, dude, you're not Prince. Like, nobody cares about your name. But anyway, uh, you know, next thing he's going to have like a symbol or something. But but. It, I get where he's coming from. I'm sure he's trying to change his image. He's trying to change who he is. He's trying to transform his fan base, right? And so he's changing his name to Cyrus. But the truth is, is changing your name really isn't going to change who he is. It's not going to change his fans. It's not going to change what we think about him. The guy who almost single-handedly saved the mullet, right? I mean, we're not going to think anything different about Billy Ray Cyrus just because we call him by his last name. It's just not going to happen. But we understand where he's coming from. Because we all, in our life, find times where we would like to change. Things about our life that we would like to change. Things about who we are that we would like to change. Things that we would like to transform. Things that we would like to see different. But it's going to take more than a, a name change. It's going to take more than a haircut. More than changing our jobs. It's going to take more than simply saying, hey, I want to change. In fact, apart from the power of Christ, it is impossible to transform. It's impossible to change. But when we come to Jesus, when we come to Him, He, he changes everything. And so I wanted to give you our main idea up front this morning, which is we, when we choose to follow Jesus, He transforms us from the inside out to accomplish His purpose in us. In short, when we choose to follow Jesus, He changes us to use us for what he wants to use us for. He gives us new purpose, new life, and new meaning when we come to him. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the transformation that Jesus brings in our life, a transformation that we may not see coming. And so as we talk about this, we're going to be talking about it out of Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. <clears throat> Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd be with us as we look at your word this morning. God, that you'd be with us as we uh, try to hear from you. God, that you'd be with me as I try to, to explain your word. God, I pray that you would empower this time, empower uh, everything that we do here today. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us? Would you come and give us the strength we need? to truly be changed, to be made new and be made whole. 
that we can go out and see the world around us changed, even as you change us. Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I, I want to walk through the, the three steps, basically, of transformation that Jesus gives us. And the first step is we answer his call. In order to be changed, it begins very simply with answering his call. We, saw, we, we see in verse 17 that he walks by and he begins to call his disciples. He, he begins to give them a call. And it's not until they answer his call that they begin to be changed. I don't know about you guys, but if someone's getting a call that they're not willing to answer, it's very nice when they, they silence their phone, right? I mean, anymore, when you hear a call coming in and it just keeps ringing and ringing and ringing, somebody will say, answer the phone, right? Answer the call. Yeah, you know, and now we have all those super annoying ringtones. Some of them are sort of funny. I, I remember uh, I had a friend who had one for his wife. I never had this ringtone, but he had one, and it, was, it said, blah, 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 you know, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I judged him harshly for that. I never laughed. But, but I mean, right, I, I mean, the only time we don't ask people to answer the phone is if it's in church, like the phone goes off, and everybody's looking around like, it's not me. They're all looking for it, besides the one person that knows it's them. They're pretending like they don't hear it. Like, well, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway, but... But we do. We want someone to answer the call. And so Jesus is saying to the disciples, answer the call. Answer the call that I'm giving you. They're out there. They're fishing. They're doing what they did. Because as Mark points out, they were fishermen. So what did they do? They fished for fish. But they were fishermen. On this day, everything's going to change for them. Because they answer the call of Jesus. On this day, they're going to be were fishermen and they're going to begin to become fishers of men everything changes when they answer the call he looks at them and he says follow me to follow someone and i know we talked about this last week and we'll keep talking about this for a while to follow someone is to submit to them and say hey where you go i'm going what you do i'm doing what you say that's what i'll do i'm going to do whatever you call me to do in this, in this culture and in this day, for Jesus to say, follow me, what he is saying is, is, come and be like me. Come and submit to me. Come and do what I tell you to do. And, and so Jesus is telling them, come and be my disciples. Come and learn from me. And, and so in some ways, one, Christian, one person has pointed out that this part of Christianity is sort of the head part. It's understanding who Jesus is, believing who Jesus is, and choosing to follow him. Saying with our mind and, and with our will, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to choose to follow Jesus because I believe he is who he says he is. Because the truth is, guys, if you don't believe who he is, that he is who he says he is, what's going to happen? You're never going to worship him. If you don't truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God come to save you from your sins, you're never going to give Him your heart or your hands. You're never going to engage in what He's called you to. So, of course, it begins with believing. It begins with choosing to follow. It begins with making this choice to be Jesus' disciple. And so they begin to be transformed as they follow Him. They begin to say, Jesus, where you say to go, that's where I'll go. Jesus, what you say to say, that's what I'll say. Jesus, what you say to do, that's what I'll do. I'm going to learn from you the way that I should live, the things that I should do, how I should order my life, the priorities that I should have. From this point on, I'm going to be obedient to you. 
This is what it means to follow Him. And until we take this first step, we'll never change. Until we choose to follow Jesus, we will remain the same. And so we first begin with this choice to follow Him. And as we begin to follow Him, He changes us. And so the first step this morning, I'm going to ask you, choose to follow Christ. Choose to believe on Him. Choose to follow Him. So like these disciples, you can begin to be transformed. And so first we, we answer the call, and then secondly, this morning, as we answer His call, as we choose to follow Him, He transforms us from the inside out. He makes us new from the inside out. You notice what He says here. He says, you follow Me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Notice He doesn't say, you will make yourselves become fishers of men. He doesn't say even that you will become fishers of men. He makes it very clear, I will make you become fishers of men. This is a work of the Lord within His people, within His disciples. He's going to work from the inside out. He's going to give them new hearts. And it also, he, just <laughs> implicit here in the language, is this idea that it's not instant. You will become. You're not going to snap your fingers and it's going to happen. You know, it's not like the, the rice that you buy and you can cook it in like 90 seconds and it's ready, you pull it out of a little pouch, it's ready to go, it's amazing, it's awesome, right? You don't have to wait on it. That's not how Christianity works. You don't snap your fingers and all of a sudden you're transformed. It's a lifelong process, little by little, little by little, little by little, right? I mean, it takes a lifetime and we don't ever get there. He's constantly changing us. He's constantly molding us. He's constantly transforming us. And so it's little by little we're becoming what He wants us to be. And little by little we're not what we were. He changes us from the inside out. How does He do this? He does it through His power. Now, I don't know if any of you woke up without power this morning. As I already mentioned, I'm a little jealous if you did uh, wake up with power. I did not. And by power, I mean no electricity. And so, you know, like I go in the bathroom and I got my little light on my phone so I don't wake anybody else up. I don't turn on any lights and I shut the door and I go to flip the light. And you know what happens? Nothing. Like absolutely nothing. I flip it again. Nothing. Maybe it was the wrong one. Maybe it was the fan or something. Flip it again. No change. You know why no change? No power. Like, I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe I can shave. No, I can't shave without a light, right? I mean, I'm going to cut myself. And, and so I, I, I'm, I move on. I was able to brush my teeth. Yes, I did brush my teeth with my iPhone flashlight this morning. But other than that, I, I just moved on with my life because there's no power, there's no change. Maybe the reason this morning you're stuck, maybe the reason there's no change in your life is because there's no power in your life. There's no Holy Spirit in your life because you're not following Jesus. Maybe the reason this morning you're not seeing anything new is because you're flipping a switch. You're trying everything in the world except for following Jesus. Because the only way we see the power of the Spirit in our lives is when we follow Him, when we obey Him, when we say, I'm going to follow you. Maybe the reason you don't see change is because there's no power. Maybe the reason why you are stuck because you're not being obedient to the Lord. When Jesus gives us the power for change, you know what happens? Change begins to take place. Hopefully those folks in energy, I know they're working hard, hopefully they think about my house first. Y'all pray that way maybe, but, but when I get home, hopefully when I flip the switch, what's going to happen? Power. Change. 
When the Holy Spirit comes in and, and fills us, He changes us. A heart that's focused on the Lord and following Him is a heart that's ready to hear from Him, ready to be used by Him in a power and has power within to be changed, to be made new. Paul tells us what this looks like in Galatians 5 when he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You thought all that patience, love, joy, peace was from you. No, it's from the Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives that to you. As you walk with the Lord, as you walk in the Spirit, He changes you to be more like Jesus, to be more like what He has called you to be, and less like what He called you not to be. He said, when we follow the Lord, the Holy Spirit just works in us. But what happens as believers, guys? We wake up and we're like, man, I'm following Jesus, but I don't see a whole lot of joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Like, I'm not really seeing that in my life. Well, maybe you're not following him. Did you ever think about that? Maybe you set out to follow him, but somewhere along the way you got off track. Maybe the reason why you're always angry instead of patient. Maybe the reason why you don't have any self-control or, or, or gentleness about you is because rather than following Him, you're doing what you want. And you're wondering why it's not working. Why does it feel like I'm so disconnected from the Lord? Why does it feel like there's no power in my life? Maybe it's because you've not chosen today to follow Him. Maybe you don't see him at work in your life because you have disconnected yourself from the source of power. Paul tells us that if we walk in the Spirit, we won't uh, obey the lust of the flesh, but that we will see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Are you walking in the Spirit this morning? Maybe the reason why there's no transformation is because you've forgotten what it looks like to walk with the Lord. You've forgotten what it looks like to obey His agenda for your life instead of your own. Maybe you have forgotten what it means to obey Him. And so, so we, we see Him work in us and through us from the inside out. But there's also a very real outside element to what He does. He works not just on the inside, but the outside. I, I mean, there, there's a sense in where He teaches His disciples, right? Life on life teaching. It's important to transfer information. There's some things we won't know unless someone tells us. Like yesterday, I, I was... I think it was yesterday, me and Crystal were talking, and I was, uh, you know, she can't speak right now, and so I had to fill a lot of the, the dead air that was used to be filled by her voice. And, and so, you know, I was thinking of new things to say, and I was like, hey, have you heard all these new phrases the kids are using these days? Because I'm hip, I'm, you know, I, I'm down with what everybody's talking about. And, hey, I saved us both some embarrassment. She was like, oh, I, I probably shouldn't use that word then. Oh, I probably shouldn't say that. I had no idea that's what they meant, right? And so, hey, I won't tell you all what it was, but it wasn't nothing bad. But anyway, you, you, you get the idea. But she wouldn't have known had I not told her. There are some things that we will never know unless we study, unless somebody shows us. When we come together, we study the Word of God, just as we've been singing about this morning, because the Word of God teaches us who Christ is. It teaches us what God has called us to. And so we have times like this morning where we gather and we study God's Word. We have times like Sunday school where we gather and we study God's Word. We have times like small groups on Wednesday nights where we gather and we study God's Word to learn of who He is, to learn what He's called us to. It's so important that we do that. But there's more to it than that. As Jesus transforms His disciples, He preaches a lot to them. But he, you know what He does even more? He lives with them. 
He does life with them. When he says, I will make you become uh, fishers of men, it's not just that he empowers them on the inside. It's not just that he gives them information. It's also that he demonstrates, he lives out in front of them what he wants them to be. Guys, you know this is true in your own life. Do you learn by people just telling you all the time, this is what you ought to do, this is what you ought to do, this is what you ought to do? No. You learn by watching, right? You learn by learning. Uh, and we see this especially in our kids. I, I don't remember what morning it was this morning, or this week, but I was, you know, I was helping get the kids ready for school in my own special way. I, I typically am more of a morning person than anyone else in my family, which means I'm not very popular before 7 o'clock. And so, uh, because I like to pester and have fun, right? The time of day when no one else likes that. So, anyway, um, Josiah couldn't find his clothes, and he was looking for his clothes, and we were in the bedroom, and I told Crystal, I said, Woman, find that boy some clothes. I was joking. I promise I was joking. That was not mean. I was joking. She laughed. I laughed. I don't remember if she laughed. She may not have laughed. I laughed. But... Not too long after that, I hear Josiah, he is giggling, like he's laying on the floor laughing, and he comes in and he says, woman! I was like, oh, that's why she doesn't want me to do things like that. Because immediately she gives me the look like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I told you. They learn by what you do, not by what you say, right? In this instance, I guess it was what I said, but it was the way that I said it. It's like, boy, you can't be talking to your mama that way. And he just has this look like, well, you did, you know? But we, we do, right? We, we learn by imitation. We learn by seeing. We learn by seeing what goes on in other people's lives. And so Jesus takes these young men and he molds them not by just simply talking to them, not by simply teaching them, but by showing them. We know this is the case. I, I, you know, I mentioned that, uh, that Crystal has lost her voice, and I was trying to figure out numerous ways to include it in the sermon this morning because it's hilarious. But anyway, but... Uh, but as we're driving down the road the other day, I'm talking to her, and of course she's whispering, and I, I notice I'm whispering, right? I'm like, so da, 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 real quiet, and I'm like, I've been around you so much now, now I think I should whisper too. And you guys know when you're around someone and they talk a certain way, what happens? You start picking up on their slang, you start picking up on their southern draw and those things, and you're like, man, what happened to my voice? Oh yeah, I've been hanging out with so-and-so. The same thing is true in the church. When we spend time with one another, what happens? We begin to act like one another. A little scary, right? Depending on who you've been hanging out with. But we begin to look like one another. We begin to, as we spend time with one another, we begin to look like one another. That's what we see about Jesus. He picks out these 12 guys, and he spends three and a half years with them. Three and a half years. You're the son of God. No one's more important than you in the universe. Uh, you have all this to give, all this potential to give to the world. And how, much, how do you give it? Through picking 12 men to spend the majority of your time with. Every time he got a big crowd. You know what Jesus did? He'd run them off. Like he fed 5,000 people and they all come around and they're, you know, they're praising him and they're talking about how amazing he is. And he's like, yeah, if y'all don't uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. They're like, we're out, right? I mean, they didn't understand it. Another time he has this big healing ministry and in the middle of the night he gets up and he leaves. His disciples come find him and they're like, 
Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Where are you? And he's like, I, I didn't come to draw a crowd. I came to preach the gospel. I, I came to teach uh, the, the good news that has come. And, and, and so Jesus was never about drawing a big crowd. He was always about investing in the lives of the people he was walking with. He was about showing them, molding them into who he wanted them to be. And guess what happens, guys? Guess what happens when he releases these men, apart from Judas, of course? They change the world. Not through gimmick, not through hype, not through flash, but through relationship, one-on-one relationship centered on the gospel. I don't, I don't know about y'all, but you know, I'm, I'm a little over hype. You know, it seems like everything's the best ever, the greatest ever, the, the most amazing ever. Jesus never did that. He simply took people and he did life with them. He simply in, invested in them. He simply showed them what it was to live. He showed them what it was uh, to spend time with one another, to actually love one another. And you know what happened? His disciples picked up on his habits. They picked up on his traits, and they began to look like him. I wonder this morning if you're spending enough time with other people who are walking with Jesus. Are you spending enough time with other Christians? Maybe the reason why you're not being transformed it's because you're not spending enough time with people who are acting like Jesus. Maybe you're not spending enough time in His Word. Maybe you're not spending enough time uh, with Him. Because, guys, it's one, and I understand we need Bible study. We need to study His Word, and we need to get in His Word, and we need to know as much about His Word as humanly possible. But if we don't move past His Word, if we don't actually obey His Word, well, what are we doing? I, what, one of the, the loudest cries in my home is when we ask my daughter to clean her room. Like if you come in our neighborhood and you hear this loud screeching cry at the end of the, at the, end of the road, you know it's Zoe that we have asked to clean her room. She hates cleaning her room. Not because she hates cleaning her room, she hates being in there by herself. Well, anyway, yesterday she, she goes and she's screaming the whole way in and I hear Josiah, she's, he's like, oh, oh, it's not bad, Zoe. Look, it's not that bad. Here, I will help you. And he helped her, and he stayed in there, and they cleaned the room, and it's amazing. It's wonderful. It's so amazing. We're taking pictures for future reference to be like, no, this is what it should look like. We know it can look like this. We're, we're praising, and we're like, man, this is amazing, guys. You did good. But what, what if we would have walked in to them clean, asked, after asking Zoe to clean her room, and it's still a mess, and she says, listen, Dad, I know all about cleaning my room. I know where everything's supposed to go. I'm reading a book on it. I can tell you where every stuffed animal's supposed to go. I can tell you where every shoe's supposed to go. I can tell you everything there is to know about cleaning my room. I'm just not going to do it. We're going to have problems, right? There'll be some more crying going on in my home. But just saying I know about it does mean no good, does her no good. Guys, I'm afraid that sometimes we think that simply studying the Word is good enough. God actually expects us to obey His Word. It's crazy, right? Like He tells us stuff and He actually expects us to do it. Oh, oh wait, you actually want me to do it? <laughs> anyway, but I mean, we, we have to be careful to not forget that He expects action as a re result of His teaching, as a result of His truth. He expects us to to demonstrate this for people in our lives. When's the last time you had someone from your church family over for dinner and actually spent time with them? When's the last time you made time to invest in 
other believers. When's the last time you sought out other believers so you can learn how they are sharing the gospel, how they are living out their faith? You see, Jesus transforms us from the inside out as we choose to follow him. He transforms us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He transforms us through his word. And he transforms us through his people as they demonstrate to us what it looks like to be followers of Jesus. And so as we choose to follow him, as he transforms us, then finally we see here that he makes us fishers of men. When we follow Jesus, he transforms our purpose. When we follow Jesus, he gives us a new reason to live. He gives us a new reason to get up every day, a new reason to be alive. He says, I want you to be fishers of men. You're fishermen right now, but after I get done with you, you will be fishers of men. I'm changing your purpose. I'm changing the reason that you get up every day. As I was thinking about the sermon this week, I was reminded of what initially really drove me to Christ. It was this right here. that I remember I had searched the world over for any sort of purpose, any sort of meaning. And, and for whatever reason, I, I don't know if it's the way God made me or, or what, like nothing really appealed to me about this world. It's not because I was super spiritual. I wasn't. I was the opposite. But, I mean, I was like, so if I put in like 12 years and I become a doctor and I make all this money, that's great, but, but then what? I'm still going to die and still going to be for nothing at the end of the day. Like, have you guys ever looked at People Magazine, the people who are the richest, most famous, uh, most popular people in the world? They all got issues, right? There's something to write about every week in there, I'm sure. I I remember seeing a a quote from Tom Brady after he had won a Super Bowl. Maybe, maybe the greatest quarterback ever for those of you who are big fans. Uh, yeah, I hope he never wins another Super I'm just kidding, but I am kind of sick of seeing him win. But, but I remember seeing this quote from Tom Brady, this man who lives in a world we, don't even, we can't even really imagine or dream of. And he, he said, you know, I was sitting there after I won the Super Bowl, and I was thinking, is this it? Like, is this everything? You, you see... His sentiment is something that reminds us that nothing in this world, nothing in this world can ever satisfy us. Guys, if if your purpose in life is about you, your purpose in life is about getting more, what are you going to do? What next? Like, say you get everything you ever dreamed of. Say you win a Super Bowl. Okay, what, what then? You're still going to die. And eventually people will forget that you ever even won a Super Bowl. What then? What are you living for this morning? Where is your hope this morning? Jesus looks at these men and he says, Listen, I know you're fishermen, but I want to change your purpose. I want you to be fishers of men. I want to transform the reason for your life so that whatever you do, you do it. Uh, for a new purpose, which is to see more people come to know me. And so, yes, you go out and, and you become a doctor for the purpose of spreading the gospel. You go out and you win Super Bowls for the purpose of spreading the gospel, for, for using your platform for that very purpose. Then whatever you do actually has meaning, it actually has purpose, because it's of eternal value. When you share the gospel with someone and they come to know you, you know how long, or come to know Christ, you know how long that lasts? Forever. 
Everything else you do is temporary. It's but a moment. It's just a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. What's a thousand years compared to forever? It's nothing, right? And so why would we waste our life chasing down the stuff of this world only to have it slip through our fingers? Jesus gives us a new reason and a new purpose. And it's to be about Him and about His business, about His kingdom. Paul, Paul put it this way in Ephesians 2. He says, uh, For we are His workmanship, speaking of those who have been saved, uh, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created you with a purpose. He created you with a reason for being. He gave you gifting. He gave you talent. He gave you passion for specific reasons. What are you using the things He gave you for? Are you using them on yourself? Are you wasting them on the stuff of this world that's going to be gone tomorrow anyway? Are you using them for His kingdom and for His purpose to see others come to know Christ? Don't waste the stuff He's given you. Because guess what? Stuff is just going to disappear. Use them not to to chase down money and fame and all that stuff, but to to find Christ and, and to not only find Christ, but to share Christ. What's your purpose for living this morning? What's your reason for getting out of bed? Is it yours or is it Jesus? You see, these men were changed. They were changed forever because they were willing to follow Jesus even as he changed the very purpose for living. When you leave here this morning, what do you want to be able to say you were? These men were fishermen. They became fishers of men. What are you willing to say you were? I were angry. I know it's terrible English, but you get the point. I were out of control. I were aimless and hopeless without purpose. I were were afraid. What, What do you want to see him change in your life? Do what he calls us to do here. Answer his call to follow him, to obey him, to trust him. And as you follow him, see him change you from the inside out. Rely on His grace. Rely on His strength to change those things about you. As you spend time in His Word and in prayer and with other believers, as they show you what it means to walk with Him. And live for His purpose, not your own. Live for His reason, not your reason. Would you walk out of here today saying, I I am new and made new. I am transformed. If you've never trusted on Christ, why not trust on Him now? Why not answer His call now? Answer the call. He's calling even now and saying, trust on me. Follow me. If you have followed him, you have trusted on him, maybe this morning you need to be reminded, oh yeah, it's about him, it's not about me. Would you find in him your strength, your purpose, your meaning this morning? If you would stand, and as you stand, I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we're going to have a time of, of invitation where we can respond to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you.